Welcome back to Those Who Do, the podcast. This episode is a continuation of our conversation with Tom Flaherty about his time as an Army Ranger, military instructor, and special operations helicopter pilot. We pick up as Tom recounts his part in the famous military operation that rescued young soldier Jessica Lynch from an Iraqi hospital after she was taken prisoner of war, as well as the subsequent retrieval of the remains of the American soldiers from her unit that were killed, so that no soldiers were left behind. Tom also fills us in on what led to his transition to instructor, then helicopter pilot, and what was in store for him once he retired and came home to Iowa. Vulnerable, funny, and incredibly eye-opening. This is Those Who Do. Army Ranger, Part 2, with Tom Flaherty. Dude just like, fuck it, punches it, plow right through the steel gate. You will bleed off all the rotor speed, and you will lose control and fall to your death. The ground war has basically started, right? So we're... Dudes are, are getting minimal resistance getting in into Iraq. But we hear this story about a, a National Guard unit up by Nazaria that had gotten ambushed and taken, a bunch of people had been taken prisoner of war. Some of them were killed, but there was someone taken prisoner of war. So they start talking about us doing a hostage rescue and a recovery mission. We know for a fact that there's one girl that's that's still alive. He's in a hospital and she had like five or six people from our unit that were killed. And, we, and they think that they're in the basement, like in the morgue of this hospital. And we're going to go get this girl and get these American bodies back. So we take off from Saudi Arabia, get on some planes, fly up into Iraq and go to another airfield, uh, staging field and do some rehearsals, get this plan together. And we're going to go get this girl out of this hospital. This girl Jessica Lynch, oh, shit. that we've all heard of, right? Big story. This is the girl that we're going to go get. So we get on trucks and stuff. And this is my, this is my first mission. This is my first mission of this war, you know, my, my, my global war on terrorism experience, right? <laughs> we're going to go get this. We're going to go get this teenage girl out of the hospital. Uh, so we planned for two or three days, did some rehearsals, load up on trucks, start driving from the airfield towards Nazaria. There's already Marines in Nazaria. I think they have the town pretty much surrounded or whatever. We're going to go inside of this hospital where this girl's at and get her out of there. So it's a combination of different special operations units, uh, conventional Marines, aviation units. Huge, huge event. I was on the lead vehicle in the convoy going to the hospital. And I think it was like an hour and a half, two hour drive to get up there. I remember sitting outside of town waiting to actually go in and you could see like tracer fires and shit. I mean, like the shit you see on TV. And I remember looking over at my squad leader and I'm like, I'm like, this is it. Like it's about to be on. So we take off into the city, start hauling ass through town. We get to the gate that the hospital is at and it's these two big ass steel doors and slow down right before the gate and dude just like, fuck it, punches it. <laughs> plow right, right through the steel yeah. gate. Pull, what were you driving? Pull, yeah, pull. It was a Humvee. Yeah. And this is before this is before the the IED the threat. IED stuff. Yeah. That, was that like, wasn't yeah. a thing. That wasn't a oh. thing yet. We oh. didn't know about this. So this like, happened. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Not a thing yet. Until right now. Not yet. Oh, thank so, God. So, yeah. So we <laughs> we punch through the we punch through the uh, gate here. Pull up right in front of the hospital. Dude, start hopping out. Our job. The ranger's job was perimeter security, right? So we're going to secure the four corners of this hospital. Other special operations guys are going to go inside. Um, they're going to grab her, uh, get her out, 
and then helicopters are going to come in. We're going to get her on a helicopter and she's going to fly away. So, I mean, quick, right? As soon as they get inside, they're like, yep, we got her. Bringing her out. Helicopter comes in, Blackhawk. They throw her on a helicopter. They take off to another airfield where there's a, a fixed wing aircraft waiting, put her on the plane, take her off. And then I think she goes somewhere and then ends up back in Germany and then back in the States or whatever. So she's alive. I mean, like amazing feeling like, hell yeah, we got the girl. That's great. But how long until you realized how big of a deal that was? I think it wasn't right away. Like first it was like, what an awesome feeling. Right. Like, I mean, it was a big deal to you guys right away, Yeah, but it it became world. If I can, I mean, just contextually for people that were around then, or, you know, Mm -hmm. this was like, the first time we'd actually like the military had gone in and got a prisoner of war from the enemy in right. like forever. Yeah. Right. And so yeah. this is a, this big, is a deal. big deal. Yeah. And, you know, based on intelligence, we expected heavy resistance. There was going to be a fight. Right. Uh, and how this all came about was someone from the hospital. I don't know if you've ever read, any, read anything or seen the movies about it, but this, a guy from the hospital knew that she was there. This dude walked outside of town, like, a dozen miles to where some Marines were at. We're mm-hmm. like, Hey, there's a, there's an American at the hospital. And they're like, you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> they're like, go back, find out more information and then come back and tell us. So dude walks back into town, gets, find out who the girl is, you know, gets him, you know, gets like drawings of the hospital where she's staying, oh, gets Intel for wow. us, walks back out, you know, and it's like, Hey, this is where she's at. This is the room. This is the hospital. You that know, motherfucker has a house here now, right? Oh, I, yeah, he's he's on yeah he's on cribs. I guarantee it. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like shit. Yeah, he's making more than I'm making. I'm sure. Yeah. Well, so they get, steal, this, they get this intelligence, right? That's how it all. That's how it all came to be. Because one dude decided yeah. to do the right thing. Yep. Yep. Fuck me. Uh, yeah. So so. Yeah. There is good in the world. There Fuck. is good. Even in the yeah. shitty situation, there is yeah. good. There is good yeah, I mean, so, he did the right thing yeah. many times. He had to go back. Yeah. You know, it's like yep. one time oh, it'd yeah. be like, okay, and that's this is, super cool. Yeah. But yeah. And like, let us not forget, dude, Saddam ruled with a freaking iron yeah. fist, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't even begin. I don't think people, I don't think people would could comprehend the atrocities that this man, even if there was no weapons of mass destruction. Sure. The dude was not great. This is a bad dude. This is a bad dude. And we'll Well, get, you know, and honestly that like that whole thing was an ends, a means to the end. Yeah. Like, like he had to go. Yeah. And like, yeah, maybe some of that wasn't true. Yeah. But, but yeah, he went. Could have been. <laughs> it, it made him go hide in a little spider yeah. hole. I mean, yeah. if he had the opportunity, would he have? Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And we can and we can talk about more about him later. Um, <laughs> mm. But because I think there's globally there's more to him than oh sure than the average person what meets the eye right. So we get her out of there. Great feeling, right? And they're like now they're like hey, uh, a couple of the doctors in there are like hey, there's more Americans here, and they're like what are you talking about? Uh. And they're like, well, there were other people that were with her that were killed. And, um, so we kind of had an, had an idea that there are people, pe- there would be more Americans from her unit that were killed because there was other, I think they were taken hostage, but they were given back. We got them back, negotiated to get them back. Uh. But we knew that there was, I think there was five or six of them. I can't remember. They're like, Hey, we'll show you where they're at. And we're thinking they're in the hospital. They're like in the morgue, you know, whatever. And they're like, no, they're outside. Uh. And we're like, what do you mean? They're like, well, they were buried last week. So we don't have, we don't have tools for this. 
with these doctors, take us outside. I remember watching the doctors in their little white coats getting escorted outside the, the walls of the hospital. And there is a soccer field next to the hospital. Mm. And in that field are the shallow graves of these Americans that were in that National Guard unit with her. So, without tools, dudes were tasked with recovering these bodies. So I remember I was sitting there pulling security, you know, watching my friends over there, and they're literally digging with their hands through this dirt. They're not finding anything, not finding anything. And then they get to a point where it's like, okay, there's something here. And I will never forget the smell. It's hot and that smell of I've never, you know, never smelling anything before. And it just, I'll never forget it. And you knew right away what it was. Right. So they started seeing like clothes and stuff. And I think you heard dudes laughing and I think it's like how they were coping. Yeah. yeah. Cause it was right. so bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so fucked up. Like it was that, uh, that whole, um, in- inappropriate affect. Yeah. Yeah. Where they're just like, yeah. they're laughing. But that's um, not what they meant no, to be doing. No. Like it was like they. It's just how they were yeah, doing it. Just it just how it, how it, it, it broke. Yeah. It broke. Right. Like yep. they broke. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That and makes perfect sense. So they're digging, they're digging, they find clothes and they start finding the people, right? right? And they start pulling them out and they're literally like coming apart yeah. as they're pulling them out from the heat. From the heat and just decomposing. Mm-hmm. And dudes start like throwing up. Yeah. And yeah. they're like digging out the puke, right? Yeah. And they're digging out the people. And finally, after a couple hours, you know, two or three hours of digging, they get they get all the bodies out of there, get them in body bags, load them up on a truck, and we take them, we take them with us. And then everybody is just like, what the fuck? Like, that was, you know, you can't even, totally not what anybody was expecting, right? right. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to say um, right now, I don't think anybody that's listening probably, I mean, we hear about bodies recovered. Right. right, you know, they, they recovered mm-hmm. the bodies of so that they don't understand. Yep. I didn't understand that. You know, this yeah. is what happens: yep. is that you know, somebody has to yep. dig through and find them and and go through that trauma right. themselves. Yeah, yeah. So we load back up on the trucks. Bad guys had a little surprise waiting for us on the way out. Took care of that and made it back to the airfield that we were staged out of. And at this time, there was still a threat of. The WMDs, right? So like mm-hmm. chemical weapons and stuff. So we're wearing these. Sure. We're wearing these suits, um, oh, like charcoal, yeah. impregnated yeah. Uh, suits. They're hot as hell, and you only got one of them right now, right? So it's like, and what the shitty thing was is when these dudes were loading up these bodies, they were getting shit on them. Yeah. So they had to wear. They had to wear these suits. Like you couldn't take your freaking chemical suit off. Right. And there's no way to. There's no way to clean it. So airplanes came and got us. We got back on the C-130s. Still a freaking a threat, you know, a, an anti-aircraft threat. So we're flying like 50 feet off the ground in this C-130. Everybody's covered in this shit. What, where are, where are you flying? Where are you out. flying back to? We're flying back to Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, we, we fly back to uh, Saudi Arabia and we just have like a little chaplain comes out and gives us a little like, <laughs> you know, like, thanks, Father Mokay. Hey, yeah, I appreciate yeah. this, but he's this is like, not going to help. He's like, yeah. guys, that was fucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. And he's like, you're going to, you're going to, you're going to experience things over the next few days. And he's mm-hmm. like, I said, all I'm saying is I'm here if you need, you know, mm-hmm. to talk. And it fucks some dudes up. Like yeah. not, 
not so much right then, but like from then on out. Sure. Right? Like right. dudes were seriously fucked up. To- and that's totally understandable. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah, that was, that was my first wartime mission ever. Fuck, I know. Man. And I'm like, they can't all be like this. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> so that was bad news for you. That was yeah. crazy. Yeah. So wow. I think a few days later, they decided the ground forces like getting into Baghdad almost like unopposed. So they decided that the, the need to jump in was not required. So we lost right. our history making jump into Because <laughs> you could just walk in. Yeah. And, yeah. and here's the deal. <laughs> And they were like, uh, we're anticipating like 50% casualty rate for this jump in. Jesus. And I'm like, Jeez. I'm like, <laughs> that's not good. <laughs> no. uh, also I, but, not statistically yeah, reasonable. Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. but yeah. I'm like, I had the chaplain on my bird. I'm like, yeah. I'm at least going to get off the airplane. Like, yeah. I'm not going to get shot. <laughs> I'm not going to get shot in the airplane. Um, so, so do they, when, like, they're, when you're like jump school and, and all these things, yeah. I mean, do they even talk about, I mean, probably not because it's, it, you have no control when you're, when you're dropping on what happens, right? right? So yeah. they, they literally in airborne school do not talk about anything like tactical. It is simply the procedures mm-hmm. for rigging up and exiting the aircraft and hitting the ground. Like there is nothing tactical. Well, there's about. really no point in talking about what happens if the airplane gets hit. Cause you're already yeah. in the process yeah. of jumping. Or if you get hit yeah. on the way right. down, yeah. cause yeah. you can't do anything about yeah. that either. Yeah. 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 Right. What are you going to yeah. do? Yeah. 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 And we even had a, we had a first sergeant that jumped into Panama and they had a dude on their plane that they're getting ready to stand up, they're hooked up, they're getting ready to jump out, and a green light comes on. All of a sudden, this dude like hits the ground, and they're like, you know, you fucking pussy, mm. and they're like kicking this dude. Had a heart attack? No, oh. he, he, he had gotten <laughs> Got a fucking nailed. shot. Oh, Got nailed. Yeah. And they didn't, you can't hear anything, right? So he'd gotten shot. And he fell down and they were all kicking him on the way the door and they're like, you fucking pussy, you know, <laughs> and they yeah, jump out, yeah. the plane lands. Yeah. The dude had gotten freaking shot in the airplane. So it's, <laughs> it's like, like, I'm the only one that got shot, yeah. you assholes. Um, yeah. So yeah. So there, yeah, you don't really talk about that. So yeah, didn't end up, didn't end up jumping in. So that was but kind I mean, of- what's the profit, right? I mean, it, it, the, the yeah. random things that you can't control, right? Yeah. Right. So it didn't end up, didn't end up jumping in there. We've got on helicopters and we flew up to Baghdad International Airport, unasked there, got assigned to this hangar that was full of pigeon poop and feathers. <laughs> got some cots, stole a water truck uh, so we'd have water to like wash our clothes uh-huh. and shit. And I remember just, I would just go sit out on the airfield at night and watch the freaking tracer fire coming yeah. out from like in downtown Baghdad. And it's, it's insane. Like you, I remember like Desert Storm. Mm-hmm. Desert Shield and watching the yep. videos, yeah. yep. and seeing like all the tracer and look just like that. Yeah. And I just was sat there and I'm like, this is freaking crazy. Yeah. So that was, we ended up staying there like another month. We did like, I think like two or three other missions, went out to a couple of like chemical factories and secured them, searched them, but nothing really like direct action, like no like intense like firefights, raids or whatever. So come back from that first deployment and I was like, well, you know, war's not so bad. Right. I mean, we got on CNN, yeah. you know, yeah. whatever. War's not yeah. so bad. And then basically for the next six years, it was 90 days deployed and then about four months to six months back at the house. So deploying over and over again to Iraq. So when did you learn to fly a helicopter? That's oh, that's coming much later. So, so I'm... <laughs> 
So I'm still young. I'm having fun. Keep, I know I continuously getting promoted into cooler jobs and right. I'm a team leader. So I got, you know, three to four dudes that are working underneath me. And I think being a team leader or a squad leader in the 75th Ranger Regiment is the best job in the army. The, the amount of responsibility at 21 years of age mm. is, is crazy. And it's right. I mean, imagine I would have been like a senior in college or I'm doing this and I've been doing this for three years now. Fuck. So the amount of responsibility and it was all, it was all new, right? Like this, you know, getting deployed to built up urban environments, developing targets and going and finding these people, you know, in, you know, the, the insurgency started, right. It got freaking crazy. It, you know, it literally turned into, the wild west the whole ied thing started mm -hmm. so it got i mean there was a lot of in, intense fighting in iraq and so the, it changed completely to from yeah yeah, yeah. 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 It, it started off slow right and then the whole insurgency thing started and then it was just freaking it was chaos right so we're trying to install this government yeah, right right that was mm -hmm. a mess we're you know we're handing it over on this day no matter what and sure. it's like yeah total chaos. Right. So now you've got even different militias in Iraq fighting each other, mm -hmm. all fighting us. You're developing targets, you know, trying to get the bad of the bad people. And this, you know, this went, this goes on for, for years. And how long were you in, in Iraq? I stayed doing this until I think the summer of 2007. Okay. You know, six years, man, or five and a half. Yeah. I was working at Target. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so like, an, fuck, an occasional rotation, we'd go to Afghanistan too. And that, and I, like at the point where Afghanistan is like, nobody gives a shit about Afghanistan anymore. You know, like right. Iraq's the freaking hot. Yeah, what is. was the difference? I mean, it, it was still insurgency and it was still, I mean, did, was there right. a, a yeah. tangible difference though? It was, I, in my opinion, right. So you're fighting in Afghanistan, right? So you've got, you've got the Taliban dudes. You've got these guys that are, these are the dudes that were like fighting the Russians, right? Mm -hmm. they, they were fighting the Russians mm -hmm. in this unconquer unconquerable land. And these dudes, in my opinion, are legit, right? Like Afghani fighters, they're bad dudes, right? They've been, I mean, they've been planning, they've been training yeah. for years. Yeah. 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 Right? By us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. By I mean, us. Regardless of what it, who it was. Yeah. I mean, they've, they've been doing this shit since 1980. And Right. In Afghanistan, right, the terrain, the terrain yeah. sucks. You got to fight the terrain. And the bad guys know that, right? So you got these dudes that are goat herders that run around on the mountains all day. And they're not wearing shit, right? They're wearing like their Nike shoes, their little man jammies. They got their little rack and their AK. And you're wearing body armor. You got ammo. You got, you know, all this equipment and stuff. You're chasing these dudes through the mountains. and But I think, I think those dudes were... They're like the true believers, right? Mm -hmm. wow. A different breed of fighters. And in Iraq, you did have foreign fighters that were coming in, and you had these uh, different militia groups that were fighting each other and also fighting you. And I think a lot more of them, I don't want to say like amateur. More like street gangs. Yeah, right. Yeah. So they're not, I don't think they were. More of a, a militia. Yeah. Yeah, right. And yeah. They, But they would not like... They would take some shots at you, throw their gun down, and run away. Right, right. like, the, and like I said, like the true believers, right? Like they'll fight. They'll to stay. The death, right, right. Yeah. 
they'll stay and fight. These dudes in Iraq, I think in the beginning were a different breed of fighters. There was, you know, there was people that came from other countries that came in that they, they're, they were totally okay with dying. They wanted to kill Americans. Right. And so you'd see like the suicide bombers and. Well, you know, in, in, in Iraq, even through desert shield, desert storm, like the, part of the problem was like, they didn't want to fight yeah like you oh, know yeah. Like, like they're like they're making us do this yeah. we don't want to do yeah. this just we don't want to do this you know like yeah. watching the mass surrenders yeah it's, and so um, it's like the there wasn't it, it wasn't uh it wasn't a zealotous yeah. belief system mm-hmm. there it was a he says we have to do yeah. this because so if you, the alternative is way worse yeah us, so yeah so it's like hey now that you guys are here can mm-hmm. we leave with you yeah you know um, it's very different than um al-qaeda and isis and right. like this this staunch belief system that it's like they've been indoctrinated into this ideal of yep yep you know it's, it's you're gonna get this thing if you do this thing yeah the, mm-hmm. the caliphate and, type yeah. thing yeah, yeah 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 right so yeah so just a different different environments right. and and like i said like afghanistan only gets remembered when something really bad happens right so that was going on and you had you had iraq going on and you know like 2006 2007 2008 just a total shit show <laughs> right they did the surge Mm-hmm. Trying to get the new government installed. I think I, I was in Mosul, Iraq, in 2005 when they did the first elections there. Yeah. Um, and what was and what was, was that like, like a, without getting like too any partisan stuff? But what was the feeling yeah. on the ground? Like, what were the people saying about these new elections I, and things? The, I think the people were excited, but I think there was tension because we expected that people were going to start like suicide bombing, polling locations. And they, they were doing that thing where you had to like stick your finger in the ink, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. After you voted. So you remember seeing like the people like holding up their purple fingers yep. or whatever. So it's easy to identify like, you know, hey, if you go vote, we're going to kill you. No. All right. And then they'd go vote. They'd have their purple finger. So it's Bam. like- Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think that was the, I think that day there was a lot of tension going on. And I think people were excited. They advertised it, you know, as their first free elections and- you know, forever. Um, but I think we expected it to be pretty bad. And I think, honestly, I don't think it was, it ended up being as bad that day as everybody had, it had anticipated, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely interesting. Those, and I think, I, I don't know, I had more fun in, 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 uh, Iraq to say that it's not exciting and fun. I'd be, I'd be lying. It is very exciting to develop a target. You know, you got your platforms overhead watching that target. You're watching this dude develop pattern of life and then to finally get to go and and action that target and, you know, do your raid. Like it is, it's a rush. So what was the most, I I don't want to use the word gratifying, Uh but like, what was the most satisfying? Like, Hey, I did a, I did a thing that needed to be done mm-hmm. mission that you did. Um, I think, I think for me, not necessarily a mission, but the most satisfying thing is that I, I always brought everybody home. Mm-hmm. I never lost anybody. Huge. Mm-hmm. That, that that's is and then huge. To me, yeah. like that is, yeah. I never had to go tell a mother or a wife or a brother or a dad, you know, to me, that was like the most important thing is that I never lost anybody. I mean, I think that I, I, think, I have to say, I, I'm sorry, didn't mean to interrupt you, but I mean, I think that, you know, what you're saying about what, you know, you had to do to find the bodies and, and mm-hmm. all, all of the things that you're talking about as far as what's important to you guys is, you know, not only doing the mission, but making sure you guys are all together protected or brought right. home. Yeah. And that's, mm-hmm. that's something that some people lose. And I think, um, you know, honestly, I can't think of like one where I was like, 
this is going to turn the tide. And I don't, and I don't <laughs> no, know, I, it, I don't yeah. know if there is any of well, that. Well, yeah, when you look I mean, back on it. Was there, was there, there something like it, that in like, Iraq? I mean, was there ever one? Like yeah. right. when we got Saddam, like people didn't throw their weapons down. Right. It just, it kept on going. I know they were doing that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So yeah. it just kept on going. So yeah. I, I don't know. There was no line to be crossed that you, yeah. yeah, yeah that was yeah. pretty anticlimactic really. If you think about it. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, it's we like, hey, him. they got him. We got him. We got him. It's and like, then, cool. And yeah, then, now like, what do we do? And now then there what was do we a roadside bomb that killed yeah. white people today. Right. Now it's like. Yeah. And then there's that YouTube video of his ankles. Yeah. You know, and mean, then he gets yeah. hung and it's like, yeah. eh, we're still fighting. Yeah. 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 We're, not, we're not going home yet. So. What, yeah. what was the ripple effect? Because you, you, you clearly were still in when they got Bin Laden. Mm-hmm. What was the ripple effect through the military? When that news came out, and um, did you guys get the news way before we did? Uh, no, no. I think okay. I honestly I can't. I think I think I might have seen it on TV. Like no shit, yeah. that's fucked. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's so yeah. fucked. Yeah. yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, yeah. like it's yeah. It, honestly, like just kind of like ah, another guy. All right, yeah. cool. Yeah. Like he about time. You know how much thing. how much could he how much could he have done from a, like where he was from like, Pakistan? Right. Like, how much was yeah. this dude really doing? Right, he wasn't the guy anymore. Yeah. He was the guy then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think it was more like symbolic. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, that's the big, like, like looking back on it, I think that's, and that's kind of like the hard part too, is like, shit, like what was the point, you know? Yeah. And I, I, I've, I've heard I, I that mean, from- I, th- I think, mm-hmm. no, go, ahead, go ahead. No, I mean, I, and I've heard that from other veterans, uh, you know, of the time yeah. is like, you know, we yeah. did what we were supposed to do. We, you know, and yeah. it was what it was yeah. and we didn't do- you know, anything wrong, but there was nothing yeah. right to be done. Yeah. I mean, it, we did what like, we needed to do and now it's just an right. unstable region just like it was before. Yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah. yeah. 2000 years of war. Yeah. yeah. And like, you know, like, um, Af- like Afghanistan, like the fiasco. Right. And then it's just back to how it was. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, like almost to like cookie cutter. Yeah. Like yeah. exactly. And, yeah. and, 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 it's and almost, let's not be, I mean, that's to be expected. I mean, I mean, yeah. it happened with the Soviets. It happened. I mean, it's like, yep. <laughs> What's like, yeah. But it's, it's almost like comical learning from it, history. Like, yeah, exactly. It's like, right. It's, it's yeah. we're doomed yeah. to repeat it. It, it. But as quickly as it just yeah. fell lockstep yeah. back into yeah. being the exact same place, it's just it's almost it, like if it wasn't so sad, it would be funny. Yeah. And then so, you know, looking back, like what you know, what is hey, sir? What's the end state? Like, how do you define victory? Right. right? Yeah. And and everybody's like, uh, dude. So so that's so it's uh, so fucked up because today being uh, Veterans mm-hmm. Day, you know my daughters are seven and ten, mm-hmm. and one of them asked me today, "How do you know if you won a war?" Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah. "You don't. Yeah, like that There's doesn't. No winners. That's not a thing. Yeah. Like people will say they won, uh-huh. or people will like try to spin it like, but like." War is a yeah. terrible fucking thing yeah. and nobody ever wins. Mm-hmm. It's just somebody gets more of what they wanted than the other person. Right. I am not like a an anti-war by any means, but- There's a reality. But there's a reality yeah. to yeah. it, yeah. right? Yeah. So like, yeah, nobody, unfortunately, like there's always, it's who loses less, I guess. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So yeah, trying to justify that, like all that, I just think to myself, you were there, so I was there. Right. Like I was there for you and you were there for me and- yeah. Even though we don't, even though we might not believe anymore, like, because we didn't even know, like, what the actual right. end state was, that's kind of like how I, how I justify it, I guess. So you've got, you've got kids. Yep. Yep. Four? 
Four kids, yeah. Four kids, right. Can I just say real quick, when I hear have to justify it, I mean, you you, sh- you are not the one that should have to. The person on the ground is not right. the first one that should ever have to justify what, right. what our decisions were. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it is it is that's funny that you say that because like it is a lot of times is probably like like well, what the fuck were you fighting for? Yeah. I was like because I was going to work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that was my this job. What I was like I was asked to do. Yeah. Like what what yeah. the fuck was I supposed to do? Leave? Yeah. Like like that's not how it works, man. Right. Like I you know what I was fighting for? So you didn't fucking have to. Like was, apparently the game started because I can hear it. That was that Tony. was that was not me. That was not me. <laughs> I was just gonna say crank call, crank call. <laughs> But it hasn't started yet. Oh shit! It's oh, nine forty. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit! No, it's- uh, so you've got four kids. Yep. What ages? Uh, nineteen, fifteen, ten, and nine. Okay. So, how much have you talked to your kids about what your job was? Um, I, not a lot. Yeah. So they know, like, yeah. go overseas, right? Uh-huh. But I don't think they know the extent of like what I did or what I've done. Have they do they have they ever asked you to like the hard questions? No, no. And you you know like there's the one question that'll come someday. Yeah, and they haven't yet. And they haven't asked that. Even the even older, the 19 even year old. Yeah, as I say, no, she really? hasn't. Had. Yeah. Wow. And I don't know if it's because she's smart and she just knows she it's knows, not a great question she, to ask. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah. She, she knows it's not a good question to ask, yeah. mm-hmm. or maybe she already knows the answer. Sure. Right. Um, yeah. Or it doesn't matter. So, yeah. Like, or yeah. doesn't matter. Right? right. But you know, that's always the question people. Yeah, especially I, kids. Yeah, and I know? and I and I've always wondered why people always want to know that mm-hmm. because it's weird and bizarre yeah. and, and it's it, outside and of their it, comfort and zone. And does it like yeah. yeah? Would it change anything? No, no, um, no. I mean, it, well, I guess it depends. If it's yeah. one of the ten percent, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if it's one of your favorite ten yeah. percent, yeah. it's going to change the way they look at you, which is yeah. fucked up because yeah. you were there doing a the job. Yeah, full stop. Um, right. Yeah. So, but you know, like. I always, so this is not comparable at all, but it gives some perspective. So when I was in college, we did a, uh, a play about 13 world war two veterans from Iowa, uh-huh. 12 of them were still alive. And so they all came and spoke to us. Mm-hmm. That was the first time almost all 12 of them had spoken oh, yeah. about what they had experienced in the war. Right. That was a really fucked up situation mm-hmm. to be in for them and for us because we were so far removed from it, mm-hmm. but they were sharing this with us. And it was just like, fuck, man, like it's tough because they, they felt like they, there was nobody they could talk to about it. Right. And at the same time, like, I mean, at that point, it was like the 65th anniversary of D-Day or right. some shit. Like it was like we did it right around an anniversary. I'm like, man, you've lived with this for this long. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, if you look at it, I mean, at the time, there's a movie called The Best Years of Our Lives. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of it, but it's about guys that come back from World War II. And it, it was, it, I mean, after Iraq and, and Afghanistan, you watch that movie and you're just like, these are the guys because they come back and they're like, what did I do? Why am I here? What am I going to do? I got injured. Nobody's going to hire me. All these other things. And this is from like 1945, mm-hmm. you know, and these guys, mm-hmm. they had no... I mean, there was no VA, there was no, you know, support system. And like, so you got these guys, like you're saying, Zach, that uh, are just sitting there. They had nobody to talk to for 60 years. And I think their experience of coming back home is night and day from our experience, right? So, you know, you're in France or you're in Germany and then you go to England and you hang out there and then you get a freaking boat. And you come across the ocean. And For it, two months. Yeah, and it yeah, takes yeah, two months, yeah, right? Yeah. 
And then you get back home and then you make your way back to wherever you came from. And there's like that decompression period. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have literally in 36 hours, like been on a mission yep. and I'm eating dinner with my family 36 hours. Yeah. Later. Right. There's yeah. no, there's not enough that time to, that's a failing, a failing on the military. Like that is unhealthy for them to move you from that environment. Yeah. To that environment yeah. that quickly to not acknowledge that there is something that you're going through yeah well and at the, at the like i'll just put it into plain terms to go from shooting a guy yeah. on tuesday right to eating fucking tater tots and fucking nuggies yeah. on fucking thursday mm-hmm. at noon that's not okay yeah like i'm not saying the thing that happened wasn't okay yeah. but i'm like you need the to process. fucking help people right between A to B. Yeah, and it's not even the fact that you have to say, oh, you have to feel X, Y, or Z about what just happened, but there needs to be time for you to feel whatever you need to feel. You know what I mean? Yeah, to, like to, reflect yeah. on yeah. it. There, ne- there yeah. needs to be a buffer. Yeah. There needs to just be a buffer. Like, fly that fucking plane <laughs> slower. Yeah. Like, fuck, man. Yeah. Like, something. Like, they, like stop in fucking, like, Madagascar and go to a zoo. I don't give a shit what it is. Yeah. Put some space between yeah. the two things. I know? think it's fascinating what you're saying because, yeah, you had that boat. Yeah. I mean, you had a goal. Mm-hmm. You were on the boat. You're going home. So, it's not like you're just sitting yeah. there for no reason. Right. Right. But you had that boat ride to go, okay, I have to have time to consider what I'm doing. I'm looking forward to going home, all this other stuff. So Mm -hmm. I don't know if there would be a comparable thing for us to have right now. I mean, you can't sit sit in the barracks for yep. you know a month okay well that's just by bring time. back the boat like, yeah, but, but then you're like i want to <laughs> yeah, I mean, go, yeah, right. yeah, yeah, go, yeah, go home i want to go home i can go yeah. home right now if yeah. i want to yeah exactly right. so yeah yeah so that um that's yeah iraq up. afghanistan i think i ended up doing like seven or eight tours between the two of them so what was the driving force on on going back for you going back to uh, just redeploying i think I don't know, like, I thought about getting out, like, doing my, like, four years and getting out and coming back here, mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. just like, this is, it's crazy as it sounds, I'm like, this is fun, like, right. this is exciting, mm-hmm. yeah. and you still, like... I'm good at it. I'm good at it, Yeah. and you don't want to, like, you always feel like, you know, the machine will go on, right? Sure. It goes on, and, and every, like business in the military, like, life, the machine will go on, right? and you always have this feeling like I don't, I don't want my boys to have to go do that. And I'm back here, like working at freaking Best Buy now or whatever. Yeah, or I'm going to go to college. Yeah. Like th- if they're going to keep on doing it, I'm going to keep on doing it. Do you think that that would, your, your outlook would have changed had you lost people? Um, probably. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, uh, I think definitely, you know, a few close calls, but yeah, not ever actually myself losing anybody. I think it definitely might have changed. Yeah, yeah. it might have it might have changed. Like, and it's kind of double edged sword, right? Like, so you train. It's like I can imagine it being like going to football practice every day and never getting to play in the game, right? Like right. being one of those uh-huh. dudes that busts his ass every day. You want to you want to get in the game. You want to see how good you are, right? You want to see how you do. And I think this is like the same way. Like you train for this. It sucks that you have to go do this, but you want to do this because you want to see. Because how that's what you, you plan. It's yeah. the game, right? right? Like you want to go play the game and you want to see how good you are. And you get, you know, you, it's, uh, it's kind of addictive, right? Like it's a rush. It, there's, right. I can't even, 
there's, I don't think there's anything you could take or you could do that would replicate that feeling. You know, when you're 30 seconds out, sitting in the door of a helicopter, getting ready to hop off and hit the ground and, and, and get it on. There's nothing that you can do to, to replicate that. And it is, it's an, it's an, it's an adrenaline rush, exciting. And when, you know, when you win all the time, right? Like you right. never lose anybody. Like it's easy to keep on, to keep on sure. doing it. Right. You know, without any major setbacks, it's easy to do. So that being said, yep. you know, you do your seven, eight tours between the two theaters. Yep. And you hit 22 years. Yep. It's time to come home. Mm-hmm. How do you reconcile that? How do you deal with that? How do you say, now I'm done. I'm going to go back to fucking Cedar Falls, yeah. Iowa. I think um, the older you get, the easier it gets. I think after having kids, your time becomes like much more precious, right? Sure. So mm-hmm. you, yeah. you, you start missing things that are important in your kids' lives and that makes it difficult. When did you and your wife meet? We met, I, I knew her in, uh, from like, I've known her since junior high. Okay. So how did you guys, um, how did you guys get together while you were in not the Not that high school like, girl. Not that high school she girl. Was not she was high, crazy. No, actually, <laughs> I think, I think my wife's mom wanted her to date me in high school, but yeah. she was too, like, my wife was too good. Like she wasn't, you know what I'm saying? Like she was a good girl. She needed you to become right. a hero first. Yeah, she was, you know, Dad she was, I was into, I was into a yeah. different type of girl. Oh, right, right. Right. So that's, yeah, that's why we didn't date in right. high school. So what's your wife's name? Rebecca. So Rebecca, what he's saying is you didn't put out. Yeah. Had you put out, <laughs> yeah. things would have been completely different. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I do want to, I, I do want to step back because you asked a question earlier, Zach, uh, yeah. helicopter pilot. Yep. Oh yeah, that was kind of a that's important. Okay. We, yeah. we kind of breezed yeah, over that. Yeah. yeah. So that's how, how, okay. how did that happen? So that's how I knew my wife forever, right? So yeah. about I, pretty much, I think after I finished basic training, we started like talking, started like writing each other, talking yeah. on the phone all the time and stuff, like writing each other a paper. Yeah. Because like because like um, when I was in basic training, like like that's it, right? Like you get a short phone call and you can write letters. Like not um, even fucking emails, no, but actual no, letters. Yep. That's so I, hot. I, um, so I would send her letters. She and I did. I would love getting mail. Yeah. Like getting mail from um, is like the greatest. And basic training is the greatest thing ever. So yeah, I started writing, talking on the phone and stuff. Um, and then when I got to Savannah, we started like getting serious. I freaking talked to her. I know, talked to her all the time. I came home a couple times. I flew her down to Savannah, and I was like, I think that like. I was only 19. Mm-hmm. She yeah. was 20. I'm, but I'm like, I think this is oh, it. Older woman. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I think she's the one. And that's why like, you just know, like good yeah. wife material. Right. Right. Like, and uh, so I'd come back home. I'd come back home. I think it was like, an, it was like right around Valentine's day. I think I was going to propose around Valentine's day. Cause that'd be super like, and you're how old at this point? I'm 19. Oh fuck. Okay. And <laughs> I think I, my, my plane ended up getting late. So it was the day after Valentine's day. Right. And uh, oh, good, you uh, yeah. that. And I ended yeah. up proposing to her. No, you got two holidays to celebrate yeah. that way. So, and, so, and, you're, yeah. and you're 19. She's 20. She's yeah. 20. You yeah. guys have mostly been like corresponding long distance. Yeah. And so, you proposed to her. Yeah. <laughs> the ball's on you, sir. Yeah. <laughs> Just shit. dragging him around, right? Wow. And we ended up getting married like pretty quick. Like, I, like, I think May. Not, I don't think May. I know May. So well, yeah, you're careful. Son. Like five, <laughs> yeah, five. four months. Four months. Okay. Later, well, I mean, we're wow. getting married. 
if we're talking about that time frame, that's when you're getting deployed yeah. over in yeah. Iraq. So what, what yeah. was she feeling? What I mean, um, did she express so anything to you? Her mom, her uh, what did her mom joke to her about? Something about like. Like buying a black dress or something. Jesus, <laughs> that's wow. fucking dark. Wow, I, know, right? yeah. I mean, hilarious, yeah. but Yeesh. dark. So yeah. yeah, I think I had told to her like I was never like really. I don't think I was ever like scared of dying. I think that my biggest regret would be that I didn't have kids. To yeah. like, if we got to a point where I didn't have kids before something happened to me, then now like you my got biggest, them and you're like, eh, I got a whole <laughs> shitload of kids now. Yeah. Um, so I think that's my biggest thing. And I think it was like, so, you know, her moving down to Savannah, no family around. And then I'm always mm-hmm. coming and going. So I think it was hard for her. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You guys she, are, you guys are fucking babies. Yeah. 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 You know, so she but, stayed down in Savannah through the whole thing. Or she, yeah. Most of the time back? she would, she would come home sometimes and hang out, but a lot of times, yeah. And then we ended up, you know, meeting friends from work and friends, wives, and they all hang mm-hmm. out and was yeah. she working. Um, yeah, she was going to school and she was working just like a retail job, like yeah. nothing crazy. So yeah, it was, I think it was, it was difficult, but. So did it get more difficult or less difficult as the 22 years came on? Like, I, I mean, think, as you're going throughout the years and years, I mean, that's a long time. I think, um, I mean, it definitely, there was, I think there was like probably a couple of times where I think that more her than me where she was like, all right, like. This, I'm not doing this anymore. Right. And I'm, you know, completely understandable. Like, I'm not upset, completely understandable. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm not at a point now. Like, I've put this much into it. Right. I need to at least get to a point where I get something out of it or whatever. And we would. Well, so when did you go back stateside or did you? I mean, what, what year did you go? Um, so after I, yeah, after I, I stopped deploying in 2007. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, I'm going to take a job where I'm not going to deploy I'll be home more often, more family time. We'll start having kids. That had been huge. Yeah. And so yeah. she's like, okay, great. Right. So I got a job, I actually became an instructor at the ranger school. So uh-huh. I started teaching uh, and I ended up staying there about three and a half years. But I taught mountaineering. I taught the patrolling in the mountains, raid ambush, all the, you know, all the classes and stuff. And that was nice. It was, I think, I, think your dog, I think your dog just ate somebody. <laughs> Jesus. Um, I did not, definitely, definitely not a normal nine to five job, but I'm home. Right. Oh, you know, I'm home a lot and I'm not deploying. And I think that was better. Right. So we had our second daughter while we were up there and it got better. And I, but I think for me, like the job satisfaction kind of declined. It got sure. boring. It wasn't exciting. Mm-hmm. My friends were still deploying and they'd come back and tell oh, me the shit they were doing. And yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm like, dude, I got to get back in the fight. Ooh. Hey everyone, uh, Zach breaking in here to the conversation. At this point uh, in the evening when we're recording, Tom got a text message from one of the guys from his unit notifying him that a helicopter from his former unit had gone down and that five people were killed in the crash. Um, Just as a point of perspective for how dangerous his job really was and how the brotherhood carries through even after he, he, he was out of the military. Um, it was very obvious that 
it was kind of a gut punch for him. And uh, we, we offered him the opportunity to, to just stop where we were at and, and pick up again some other time or uh, whenever it was convenient for him. And t- to his, I guess, credit, he said, no, no, let's just keep going. Let's keep telling the story. So I just felt it was kind of important because there's a, a few moments uh, going forward that the rhythm seems a little bit off. And I think it's just uh, processing the information and everything that happened. So it's kind of one of those deals where uh, he did say that, you know, it's a very unfortunate byproduct of the work is that sometimes these telephone calls and text messages do happen. Um, thank you for listening. And now back to the show. So, yeah, that was um, it was a nice break, like, but you need, like you start to get the itch, right? So your friends are all continuing to, to deploy and you like you feel, I don't know, like you feel bad that they're still getting after it and you're like in a place of comfort. Mm-hmm. And then I actually had, I, I'm at the point where I'm like, I need to find something, you know, I need to find something else to do. I really need to, either need to get out or I need to find something else to do as somebody to get me back in the fight. And um, once you leave, like a place like the Ranger Regiment, like once you leave, right, like time does not stand still. Like people progress, right? people that were your peers are now going to be that many years ahead of you sure. mm-hmm. and you don't really want to go back and start all over. Right. And they, and they're going to give priority to the people that stuck it out the whole time. Right. So right. I decided I got to find, I got to find a different gig, right. I got to figure out something I want to do. I didn't want to go to the big army and be an, you know, an infantry guy in the big army. I got to find something else I wanted to do. Well, so that would suck. Cause that would really suck. Yeah, I mean like, yeah. Hey, I was elite yeah. and now I'm, yeah. I'm throwing like, me at things. I'm yeah. like, yeah, can't be doing that. Yeah. So, I decided I was going to look into flying, right? So, so this was like 2007, 2008? No, this is, um, this is about 2010 now. Oh, no shit. Okay. Yep. So, so I did that for about three and a half, wow. four years. So you did training, you were, you were training guys. Yep, I was an instructor. Decided, yep. 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 So decided that, didn't check out this warrant officer pilot program, right? So it's one of the only warrant officer jobs that doesn't require a feeder MOS. So like- there's different warrant officer jobs. If you're going to be a transportation guy, you have to have a transport, you know, a background in transportation right. as an enlisted person before. So to fly, no feeder background, right? I would feel like being a ranger yeah. would be a feeder background yeah. to whatever the fuck For, you wanted. Right? right? I, yeah. Um, Feels like it. Like, say, hey, man, you can't be a cook yeah. because no feeder background. Yeah. Like, motherfucker, I just was doing the, yeah. the shit, the thing, the, right. the stuff. Like, I can't peel potatoes yeah. now? What the fuck? So, start the process, and it is a shitload of paperwork. Like, yeah, getting a physical... They looked at your butthole yeah, again, didn't they? Packet of <laughs> the all, fourth time. Packet of all this and all that, and getting recommendations. So, and Curiosity-wise, I yeah. mean, when you're looking at, you know, your prereqs for physical stuff, I mean, what's yep. the difference between pilot and, and, and ranger? A lot of it's the same stuff, honestly. The physicals that we do, too, are like a a category of a flight physical where you're already getting checked out for literally everything. So I really had no mm-hmm. no worries about passing a physical. You get letters of recommendation from, uh, you know, your commanders and stuff. Getting letters of recommendation from a pilot says that you'll be a good fit for the program. And it took me a couple of months to get everything together and submitted my packet. And they hold boards I think it's like every other month or every three months or something. So a smear packet, you wait, the board meets, and then you wait for them to post the results of the board. And the board is literally a group of people uh, sitting at a computer. They look through your file. Mm. Yep, he's good. Nope, not good. 
Um, and I got so what up. was the, what was the impetus though? I mean, you you I mean, why helicopter pilot? I mean, what what was? What? Um, I think just a different type of a different challenge. Were there dudes that you knew that were helicopter pilots that you're like, yeah, that's that's the thing that, that you know I, I like what they're doing? Or I think so. I think the way that I thought of it was the. I'm not going to be the one going into the fight anymore. I'm going to take the boys to the fight, right? right. So I'm getting a little sure. bit older in age. It keeps I'm you like, in. Right. I'm in my late 20s now. I'm getting a little bit older. So you're like, listen, yeah. Rebecca, Yeah. I'm staying yeah. in, but I'm not going to yeah. be in in. Yeah. I'm just going to be kind of mm-hmm. in. Yeah. I'm yeah. going to, you know, and I'm going to like, I'm going to get paid more, Yeah, you know, job opportunities when I get out. I'm like, life is going to be, life is going to be better. So put my packet in, get picked up for that. First time selected. And then I think I had orders like two months later to go to Fort Rucker for candidate school, one officer candidate school. Get down there. One officer candidate school is like any like general military course that you might go to, right? They teach you a little bit, a bit, a little bit about everything, right? <laughs> How to be a good warrant officer. It wasn't hard. I think it was like five weeks. It was not hard. It wasn't hard, but did it suck? It sucked. Okay. <laughs> and it just, yeah. So less physical than, than the first time yeah. around. More, oh, yeah. Yeah. oh yeah. All book stuff, yeah. tests. Like mm-hmm. I'm learning how to like study because I never studied for anything. Right. So right. the good part about candidate school was I learned how to study, like study habits, stuff that I hadn't done in years or ever really. Now that I think about it <laughs> mm-hmm. studying, I'm like nerd. <laughs> like, I don't study. So that, and it came really easy to me. Like I got put in like leadership positions in candidate school and everything came really easily to me there. Um, so you go through one officer candidate school and then you start the pipeline for flight school. Some people went to SEER. I'd already been to like a couple SEER schools at that time. So uh, sur- sur- SEER school, uh, survive, ev- evade, resist, escape. It's basically tools to help you if you ever become isolated to get out of that environment and get back to friendly. Are we, so, are we like, talking uh, ground or in air? On the ground. So, yeah, okay. so I'm trying yeah. to think of like... So if things didn't go okay yeah, in the air yeah. and you ended okay. up on the ground... Have you ever seen G.I. Jane? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you know the part that you know the part where they get captured? They're like they're like swimming across the pond and he finds the helmet and he grabs it and then they're like, they end up like in a cage. I mean, it was 25 and years ago. And they're ago. like beating the shit out of them and they're interrogating them and all okay. that. Okay. That's okay. Sears school. Oh, that sounds fun. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like um, a good time. So I'd already done, I already been to a couple of those schools. Who goes to more than yeah. one, man? Well, there's different. <laughs> Jesus. There's, there's different, different shit you can have happen, yeah. man. Yeah. I'm starting to get yeah. a little bit more inside into yeah. Tom here. Yeah. Or maybe I'm just a sadist or something. Yeah. I, can, <laughs> can, we t- can we pause this? Run up to your house and look in your closet? Because <laughs> yeah. I want to see how much leather and yeah. ball gaggery there is in there. Yeah. So I've been to one of these. So I basically hung out for like three weeks while my class went to Sears school. Also, you didn't have to do it again. No, I didn't have to do this one again. Like, I'm just going like, yeah. to sign off on. Yep, sign off on yeah. that. And then um, you do like a basic officer leader course. And then you finally start like flights, like no shit flight school. And it's uh, an aeromed course. So they're teaching you about all the medical things that come along with flying, biology and physiology mm-hmm. and how Flexor flying, and yeah, whatnot. How <laughs> flying affects you and all that. And uh, was there a rank increase? Yeah. So I got, yeah, warrant officer one after you finished candidate school. So I, so I had transitioned. I was an E7. I was a sergeant first class. I had transitioned and became a warrant officer one after I finished warrant officer candidate school. So a little bump in pay, which was nice. Yeah. Do like the aeromed class. And then finally you start 
getting in the freaking helicopter and you're like, this is going to be awesome. Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then take you to some simulator and they're like, all right, this is how you start the helicopter. And it's like, click. You have all these checklists, right? And you start, there's like a million buttons and you just practice like turning the helicopter on, turning it off. Oh, now we're going to turn it on and we're going to turn it off. And we're going to turn it on and like something bad's going to happen and then you got to turn it off, right? So you go through all that. And then one day you finally get to go out and get in a real helicopter, right? And they do your nickel ride. And it's you and your instructor pilot. And you hop in the helicopter and he takes you out and shows you the area that you're going to be training in. He lets you like, you know, touch it, touch it a little bit, <laughs> touch, yeah. my, touch my stick. You touch know? the stick. Just, just follow and, it. Uh, <laughs> so we take off in this little Bell 206 helicopter and I'm like, I'm like, this is nuts. Like, this does not feel, this does not feel good. <laughs> like, not a good sensation in this tiny little helicopter. And we do our knuckle ride and I'm like, okay, I'm like, I just got to, I'll get used to it. Not a big deal. This will be okay. Can you, can you tell us what nickel ride? Nickel ride. So it's kind of like the nickel, you're giving your nickel to your instructor pilot and he's giving you a quick little tour. Oh, okay. So there you like, go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You're giving him the nickel, get your nickel ride. And, uh, so we get back from that and I'm like, okay, this is weird. I'm like, it's okay. I'll get used to it. <laughs> And I hey, did. you jumped out of a plane yeah. one day, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. 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 Now he's got to stand one. Yeah. <laughs> so you get out to the airfield, right? And your first thing you're going to do is you're going to learn to hover. You're going to learn to hover this helicopter. And I tell you what, it is the most humbling thing <laughs> in the world to try to learn to hover a helicopter, right? So you've got a control in your left hand, you've got a control in your right hand, and you've got pedals at your feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they start off with one flight control. So you're going to take the cyclic. So you're going to hold that with your right hand, right? And you're, you're just responsible for keeping us in one spot with this control, right? So you go forward, back, left, right. And he's like, okay, I'm going to have the other two controls, or you're going to have just the cyclic. I want you to hold us in this position right here. And you take it, and you're like, I got it. I got this shit. I got this. And next thing you know, you're all over the place, right? <laughs> and then so your pilot's like, grabs it, pulls it right back, rock solid. And, and you're like, Jesus, how did you do that? And you're like, okay, you're going to try this again, right? And you have it and you're doing it and you're like, I got this, I got this. And then you're freaking all over the place. And you're like, Jesus, this is freaking hard. Wait, this is, this, is this like a trick test though? I mean, do you need the pedals to keep... <laughs> he, he, wants you, he wants you to like just not be completely overloaded. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're just going to learn one control at a time, right? Mm-hmm. And then next he does it with the pedals. He's like, okay, here's the pedals. I want you to keep us, the nose pointing right in this direction. You have the pedals, you know, and you're sitting there and you're like, okay, this isn't too bad. This isn't too bad. And you're just like, pressure, kind of pressure, pressure, kind of pressure, right? And you're like, it's so bad. He takes pedals back. He's like, all right, I want you to take the collective. And he's like, I want you to hold us. We're going to hover it 10 feet off the ground. I want you to keep us at 10 feet. That's all you have to focus on is keeping us right here. And you're like, okay. So you pull up the collective 10 feet and you're like, I got this, I got this. And then you're at 20 feet and then you're at five feet and then you're at 15 feet. And you're just like, oh my God. Five feet. Yeah. Uh, you're like, oh man, I'm never going to get this. And then he's like, okay, now you're going to do two at once. Oh, fuck you, and, sir. Dude, and then eventually you're like at three at once and you're like, is this all in the same just, session or is this No, this is like, this is ours, right? Oh, okay. Dude, right. This I, was is like I was like, I was like, shit. Yeah. So I, th- I think like realistically about like six hours before you actually get good at hovering the helicopter, right? So he gives you all three flight controls. He's like, you got this. 
And you're like, I got this. You're locked in. You're locked in. And then it's just like, you're looking up. You're looking down. You're like, (laughs) the helicopters are not parked next to each other for a reason, because you need space for crazy flight school students. (laughs) To not bang into each other. I mean, I've played a little uh, Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, I've flown a couple helicopters. I mean, it's not that. No, it's I basically play, the same I play thing. Flight Simulator, Microsoft Flight Simulator. Okay, so I get where you're coming from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh I mean, shit! So, I, I mean, how much of that is gauges, and how much of that feel? Um, for the most part, it's visual, right? You're like looking. Yeah. You're not looking inside the cockpit. You're looking outside. So it's a lot of a lot of feel, and then just like. Like I said, like about six hours, like one day, your body just becomes like wired and it just, it happens and you're just like, oh shit, I got this. And it just, it's it's comfortable, you know, and then you can, you can be looking inside the helicopter, you can be looking outside and everything, everything just works. And you're like, oh shit, like, why was this, why was this so hard? Why was it, why was I making this so hard? <laughs> why was I making this so hard? But then, yeah, and then for like four weeks, you, you do like your primary when you're just basically doing traffic patterns, like VFR, um, visual flight rules, traffic mm-hmm. patterns type stuff, flying back and forth from the airfield. VFR is very different yeah. from IFR. Yeah. I know because I wrote it. I read yeah. a drone yeah. book once. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> so you're doing maneuvers, you know, in and out to the airfield. And then, so did you know, right, if an airplane loses an engine, it kind of like... It's okay. For you know, like part, yeah. glide back, right? Yeah. Helicopter... Falls like a freaking rock. <laughs> yeah, well, okay, yeah. and you got to practice that. So were you like, maybe I want to be a regular yeah, pilot. Yeah. So you practice that. I think you just buried that, Zach. Oh, yeah. So you, you buried freaking, that. They practice you just, it. You just climb up, clean the altitude, right? No. And then they roll the throttle off. No. And then you have to almost immediately take out all of the collective. Because if you don't, you will bleed off all the rotor speed. Yeah. And you will lose control and fall to your death. Oh. Yeah. So it, I would say entering an auto rotation feels like starting a roller coaster, like coming over the hill of a roller coaster. And then once you're establishing it, it's really comfortable. But the first like two or three seconds when you enter an auto rotation, it's a, not a comfortable feeling. I'm not comfortable yeah, right now yeah, hearing yeah. about it. So you practice those and you get more comfortable with doing that. Eventually to the point where you're auto rotating like all the way back down to the runway and landing with an auto rotation. Isn't that called crashing? It's controlled. It's very controlled. <laughs> it's falling yeah. with style. Yeah, it's falling, uh, it's falling with style. No, yeah, I, so I, I, I do have to qu- a quick question. I mean, because I don't know the, yeah. the answer to this, but maybe you do. I mean, how many people get trained in helicopter piloting? Non-military. Non-military? That's a good question. It is very expensive. Right. To get trained to fly a helicopter versus an airplane. I would be willing to bet it probably costs five or six times more per flight hour to get trained in a helicopter. And my question being, I mean, in a non-military setting... Yeah. Do they crash land? <laughs> do they do that style. rotation? Oh, yeah. I think, I think every... Yeah, that is, I like think that's, that's part of the basic, thing? yeah, curriculum. Oh, okay. Any, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, you get through that, you do all your VFR maneuvers or whatever, and then you go to, I think, three weeks of instruments, right? And you start off with the same thing in a simulator, practicing, taking off with zero visibility. Just in case you're going to fly Kobe Bryant somewhere. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, just yeah, yeah, this is like, you got to take this shit seriously, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh. Yeah, flying instruments, especially when you're not planning on flying instruments, is, mm-hmm. I mean, 
we know what happens. Yeah. Right? So take you have a non-controlled yeah, crash. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And based on what I know now of that crash, that had to be terrifying. Would they have even known though? Oh yeah, they knew. I they mean, were, or was it just oh, it was over? They were falling out of the sky at over three thousand feet per minute with no idea of altitude. Yeah. So did the helicopter just fail? So I think what happened is he put the aircraft into an unusual attitude mm -hmm. where he could not recover. So at one point they were falling at 3000, greater than 3000 feet per minute out of the sky. So that would be. So were they like sideways? Yeah, probably sideways or something like that. So. Because he lost his orientation? Yeah. He got disoriented, spatially disoriented in the aircraft. That would be a situation where you would switch to gauge only, but right. I mean, because to know your attitude. So there's procedures when you uh, inadvertent IMC, right? So when you inadvertently go IMC, there's procedures. And it looked like he probably punched in the clouds and then tried to turn to get out of the clouds, mm -hmm. got spatially disoriented, lost control of the aircraft. It, I mean, it is, it can be completely debilitating. Like Right, because you think you're doing one thing and you might be out inadvertently doing the exact opposite. Every yeah. ounce of your being is telling you that you're feeling something, right? Your proprioceptive, like your skin and your muscle and your bones are telling you that you're doing one thing. But your brain is looking at something, telling you that you're doing something different, mm, and you're, yeah. you're just so which is right usually the, the gauges. The gauges, <laughs> the gauges are right. No part of yeah, you, yeah. Just the gauges. Trust yeah, your yeah. instruments, right? Trust your instruments, right? right? Your uh, your body, the uh, yeah, like the semicircular canals in your ears with the f fluid moving around, like right. you can literally you can fail you. Yeah, they, I mean, your brain is telling you, you right? what you yeah. should do. Right? Yeah, it's tough. That's hard. Yeah, you got to rely on the instruments. And I think he, I think that dude punched in the clouds, tried getting out of the clouds, put it in an unusual attitude, and they ended up burning in. So you're going through flight school. Yep. You obviously get through it. Yep. And then you start doing what? Uh, so I went to a general support aviation battalion in Fort Carson, Colorado. I'm a Chinook pilot, right? So after I got through all my training aircraft at Fort Rucker, I got assigned to fly Chinooks. Those are the big ones. Big daddy. Double rotors. Yep. Tandem rotor. Yeah. Oh, fucking. You yeah. got the nuts on you, you yeah. big fucking yeah. show off. Yeah. All right. So that's what I got. They rank you in your class, and then based on your ranking, you get to pick what aircraft you want. All right. What was your rank? I was Go not ahead. the top. I was towards the top. <laughs> I was towards the top, but I was not all the way at the top. And you're like, you know what? I want to fly something that can lift tanks. Yeah. yeah. So at the time, like everybody kind of knew that the Kiowa, the OH 58 Kiowa was getting phased out. So it's either going to be Blackhawks, Apaches or Chinooks. And ultimately, I wanted to be in a Chinook because I wanted to be the dude that took the freaking special operations dudes to the target, right? Uh -huh. So pick the Chinooks and I'm going to go to the big army for a little bit and do a tour with the big army and the Chinooks. So I got assigned to Fort Carson, Colorado, the General Support Aviation Battalion. And I get out there and there's no helicopters. <laughs> there's no nothing. Well, this is awkward. Yeah. There's, yeah. A hangar. there's a hangar that has... No equipment, uh, no people, no nothing. Pigeon poop and feathers? Yeah. And I, meet, I, and I meet my company commander and he's like, hey, uh, welcome to Fort Carson. Uh, we're standing up the unit here. We'll get helicopters in a couple months. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're going to be my supply guy and uh, I need you to start. Hang out. Have a beer. stuff, right? <laughs> oh, gross. So I'm going around getting like. I mean, literally like an empty office. So I'm getting like desks. I'm signing for computers. 
I'm setting everything up, right? Ridiculous. Eventually, we get some helicopters and uh, we start flying. So learning to fly, I think I can't ask for a better place to learn to fly out there in Fort Carson, being in the mountains. It's unbelievable. We we have a homeland base with no helicopters. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But it was getting it was getting stood up, right? So brand new aviation unit, great place though, Fort Carson, like training in the mountains, uh, a whole new respect for flying in that environment because it is absolutely terrifying <laughs> the shit that you can get into flying in the mountains like where you are just like dear god <laughs> let us make it home <laughs> updrafts downdrafts wind shears just the terrain in general it is freaking it's big boy shit so i did that for about a year and a half and i i had a good friend of mine that he had just come out we got to hang out. He was uh, working out uh, in Yuma, Arizona at the uh, uh, military freefall school down there. And he just came out. We got to hang out for a couple of days. He was in Fort Carson doing some training um, with some guys. And he had gone out to California for Christmas where he was, him and his wife and their family were from. I mean, he did a skydiving event with them. And he had a parachute malfunction shortly before he landed. And he ended up burning in from about 100, 150 feet. And uh, his wife called me and they were like in the ambulance oh. um, going to the hospital and she ended up passing away. Mm. So all his family was out there watching from his oh, wife and kids freaking fuck. burned in and died. And that was pretty much, I think, one of the lowest points in my life. That dude, I mean, when we were in a ranger regiment together, like always side by side, he is like... He was like the epitome of like what a ranger non-commissioned officer was like smart dude, PT stud, always had my back, you know, just could not have asked him just a better friend, right? Like mm. we'd go hunting and fishing together, um, always getting in stuff together. And that was like, I was in shock for like, even after the funeral, just like for months. Um, and it's the first time that I finally felt like maybe I wasn't invincible, right? Like bad shit happens what year are we talking here um this is the end of 2013 okay so, so what do you do like what do you do to cope how do you i um i i think what uh i don't know it was hard like i was just for for so long i mean i would, I would grab my phone to like send him a text or give him a fucking call or something and i had a freaking a voicemail that he left me and i would freaking listen to that um it was, it was super hard. And I know, like, I try not to be, like, self-destructive, and I try to, like, occupy myself, and I'm, like, kept on thinking, I got to find something else to, like, you know, like, what would he want me to do, right? And I just, for some reason, I kept on hearing, like, get back in the fight, get back in the fight, like, quit feeling sorry for yourself, get back in the fight. And so I decided that I was ready to move on and do something a little more challenging and the um, special operations aviation regiment was the unit that for the most part when i was a ranger that would fly us around right so black helicopters you know the big the black chinooks and, and black hawks with the refuel probes on them they did all the cool missions and stuff and all the ones my dad's afraid of yeah 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 um <laughs> oh god yeah the ones that all the anti-government people are afraid of mm -hmm. so i decided i'm like okay like 
I'm, I'm going to do this. Like, this is how I get back in the fight. And this is like how I honor my friend. It's like, I get back in the fight. I like, I know he would tell me to do. Can I ask just real quick? What, yeah. what was your wife? What was your wife's um, uh, voice in your ear? I think, you know, I really didn't get much pushback from it. I think mm-hmm. it is a, it is a better, I think it's a different lifestyle, but it's an overall better lifestyle. I think in the soft community there it's big boy rules, right? Like mm-hmm. play hard, yeah, yeah. play hard, work hard, play hard. But, and it's a different, so she different was type of, generally supportive. Yeah. But yeah, understanding. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. A, a diff, around, it's a different, a different type of people. And I'm not like disparaging anybody like in the big army, but it's a different, it's a community. different type of people, right? Different yeah. community. Mm-hmm. So she was, she was supportive of it. So I put an application to come assess with them and they, you know, they said, Hey, we want you, we want you to, we want to come take a look. Um, so they brought me out for a week and I went through their assessment program and it was, it was very, very humbling. Right. Um, and I'd only been flying for less than two years. You know, I didn't have a ton of experience flying, but I understood the mission. I think, and I think being a former soft guy and a former ranger, you know, their feeling was, well, we can teach you to fly. You know, we can teach you that aspect of it. You've got the mentality and the soft, soft. So soft. special operations okay, forces. Right, right, yeah. Okay. I was like, you kept, I yeah. was hearing it as soft. And I was like, flaccid. that doesn't sound no, right to me. Not flaccid. No, <laughs> yeah, not soft. All right. All right. Okay. Gotcha. Um, good, good. And so I think, you know, like you have the mentality, you have the experience. So was he, was the eye on going back to Afghanistan is, is, is just, I think not necessarily just because they do so much and they do so much that you don't even know about. Mm-hmm. Like, I bet. Yeah. And they, they do stuff that I didn't even know about. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it was just the opportunity to get back in the fight, wh- you know, wherever it would be at this point. I think Afghanistan was still a being thing. A, being actionable in service. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Yeah. So that was my big thing. Um, just doing stuff that like made a difference, right? Put things into perspective for people. Mm-hmm. At what points in your military career were you allowed to have a beard? Um, when I was in the Ranger Regiment, there was a period um, where I was a member of the reconnaissance platoon that i was able to have grow a beard you wouldn't think that people would realize what that meant yeah but jokingly when i was when i was running through like the people that we're gonna have on the show Uh and i was like hey i'm gonna have this buddy of mine tom on Mm -hmm. and uh, at one point in the military he was allowed to have a beard yeah people are like fuck it's a big deal yeah it's a big deal (laughs) i was like all right Uh, well a a lot of people in the military get butthurt about it um but yeah uh yeah so there was a period where i had yeah a nice scruffly beard yeah, i mean it's a big deal like yeah. it's it's a yeah i hate shaving so yeah <laughs> um i do too it's <laughs> one of the reasons yeah. i didn't enlist yeah. that and now many other reasons well i mean the good news is you can finally go back to work tony so <laughs> and tom's looking at me like what yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm an actor tom so you ain't, we, you ain't we, working we, yeah, yeah. We, we just were on strike yeah, it's over right the strike's yes. over I'm like well we haven't voted on it yeah, we haven't voted on it yet. I haven't even seen what they agreed to yet. We haven't even seen what they've agreed to yet. But the, but the work stoppage, the work stoppage is over, right? Ish. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> it is. Everybody's moving on, but we could, it could stop instantly if yeah. for some reason we vote no. But yeah. Well, I think you better get out there and fucking work, man, yeah. son. <laughs> well, we haven't even seen the contract yet. No, no, we no, don't no, even no, know no. what's you in said, it. You said the work stoppage. You have a window. You better make some fucking money. <laughs> yeah, oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> But I digress. So yeah, sorry. Uh, 
Yeah. But I love beards. Is all I'm saying. Is, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So you decide, hey, I'm going to go be on yet another special operations. Yeah, right. Because I'm yeah. mediocrity is not, we, it's for it's, the week. It's not my thing. Yeah. yeah. Right, right. Moderation is for pussies. So <laughs> yeah. So I said I'm going to do this and I go out there yeah, for a week and um, I do their assessment. Yeah, assessed favorably. They and they they brought me on board and went back out to Fort Carson and packed our stuff up and. Hauled the family cross country to Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And how many kids do you have at that point? Uh, we just had our fourth. Fourth then. Mm-hmm. So packing all the whole fucking, yep. Yep. all six of you. Yep. So you went from, from Georgia to Colorado to Kentucky? Yep. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So went to Fort Campbell, Kentucky and bought a house up there and got settled in and started going through their officer green platoon program. And that's basically their train up program to get you basic uh, mission qualified. So you've got basic mission qualified pilots, you've got fully mission qualified pilots, and you've got flight leads. Um, and just with experience and training, you work your way up. So now do you go into this special assignment? Mm-hmm. Do, does that come with a promotion or anything um, new? Nope, not necessarily. Okay. Not necessarily. No, promotions are the same as anywhere else in the regular army or whatever. A little extra pay, a little yeah. incentive, you know, for putting yourself out there, I sure. think. I think that's more, I, I say that's like more for the families, like lecture extra pay for your family for putting up with mm-hmm. what you're putting them. You know, sure. Well, listen, them I, I, I watched Top Gun Maverick and I know, yeah. you know, he, yeah. he, he never went up. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Don't, even bring, don't yeah. even bring up that movie in yeah. my house because I'm not <laughs> kidding you. Jenny has watched that movie no less than 3,412 times. But he never got a promotion is what I'm telling you. Uh, yeah. Still a captain. Should be an admiral. <laughs> Yeah, right. How does she do that? I so uh, money. I don't know. I don't know. I I mean, like, do you think she's a lizard person too? Like, well, I think she's a real. You You mean because she doesn't age? Also, yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's younger than him, though, right? Yeah, I think so, right? Yeah, I mean, I think Jennifer Connelly. She and Rob Lowe have been hanging out, and yeah, it's not just Atkins, right? Yeah. 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 yeah, I mean, on a complete aside, how does Patrick Dempsey win Sexiest Man of the Year when he hasn't done anything in yeah, twenty? Yeah. <laughs> You're asking me. I think it should have been me, but you know, is it because of, yeah. of the strike? Yeah, because of the strike. <laughs> yeah, nobody else is doing anything either. So I why fu- not? <laughs> I better watch my fucking mouth because we might get to a point where we might yeah. be able to like, oh, hey, remember hey, what you said, hey Patrick Dempsey? Would yeah. you mind coming on those who do yeah. like talk to you about being sexiest man? Zach. Zach, he's a personal friend of mine, and uh, I think we just burned a bridge. Thank you. <laughs> oh, shit. See, the funny thing is, he jokes about shit like this, but then I'll find out two days from now. He's like, yeah, he actually is. No, really. <laughs> yeah, he really is. So so you move out to Kentucky. Yep. And now, does it start to become time for you to go back to work? Like, yes. Like, to get out? Yes. And, okay. Yep. So go back to work. I ended up drawing Iraq as my first deployment. Um, and this is... So ISIS has become a thing, right? Mm-hmm. And here's the thing I wanted to circle back from before. So we talked about Saddam Hussein, right? Mm-hmm. ISIS would have never been a thing if Saddam Hussein was still in power. Yeah, because there's a stability issue yeah, right. that we no, you that deal with. Have yeah, yeah. Right. That wouldn't yeah. have that wouldn't have happened. So the region was destabilized yeah, we because got, of we all got, of the shit. We yeah. got the ISIS and the new caliphate and uh were destabilized, yep. So I ended up doing my first my first pull overseas. I ended up being 
back to Iraq. So how, how, how okay, let me ask you real quick before you, uh, when you first arrive, is it different? It is exactly how I remember it. Oh God, okay. it's yeah, hot. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it smelled and but the was, atmosphere. I mean, the, yeah. the 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 I say geopolitical, but I mean what, the the local atmosphere is um, different. Much different. Oh yeah, much different. Yeah. It, uh, but yeah, I would like. Oh shit! I've been there before. I've been there. I've been there. I've been there. <laughs> And it's cool, like, seeing it from the air this time, too, because, mm -hmm. like, on a perspective. And then, you know, like, all where these, like, big battles were in Iraq, and you fly over them, and you're like, fuck, that was it? Like, that was right there. Like, yeah. oh. Mm -hmm. It doesn't, looks different doesn't, now. Doesn't look that big. Yeah. Doesn't look that, yeah, you fly, doesn't look that explodey. Yeah, you fly all the, you fly over all these places where there was, you know, you're part of these big, big battles or even just little stuff. And yeah, it's cool to see in a different, from a different perspective. So you do that for how long? I, I started, I think I ended up staying there. I was almost eight years. And you would stay over there for? We did anywhere between like 30 and 90 days. And then you'd come home mm -hmm. and stay home for how long? Uh, whatever, you know. <laughs> Until they needed you? <laughs> Until they needed you. Um, uh, you right. did a lot more, we did a lot more training inside the States too. So we yeah. would go out to the East Coast, out to the West Coast. We'd go down South. We're training with other other units all over the country. So you, you, when you're back at home station, you're really not always, you know, at the house every night. There's right. there's lots going on. People are coming to you to train with you. You're going to different places train other people so would it be fair to say yeah. that there was a lot of instances where it was like tom we need you for something there was yeah there's yeah. a few times yeah yeah so that was kind of the yep. way that that job worked yep. it wasn't so much like all right you're gonna have four months at home and then yep. we're gonna cycle you out with somebody yeah. else it, the the calendar was constantly changing how did that affect right. your own life um i think right towards the end there was a time where i got asked to go help somebody on a project that's what we call them, a project. Project. Yeah. No, that softens it a little and, bit. Yeah. Um, right. um, he's like, I want to ask you if I didn't need you. And I'm like, you're my boy, and I can never say no to you. Right. So even though I just got back from something else, I'm going to go do this. Well, and asking it that way is yeah. super fucking manipulative. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Fuck. And so I was like, yeah. And I just, you know, without even asking the wife, I'm like, okay, I'm gonna, I need, they need me. I got to go do this. How'd and that go? It did not go well. Yeah. And she said, she's like, I'm not going to be here when you get back. And I'm like, mm. okay. And she's like, I don't want a divorce. She's like, but I can't do this alone. I need help. I'm going home. And we'll just figure it out when you get back. Okay. And I'm yeah. like, I'm like, I understand, you know, I understand. I'm like, I got it. But I'm like, I got to go do this. Right. So we we'll to the that. She's like, you know, good, good luck. Uh, <laughs> so she's back know, in Iowa. We'll talk, at that point. Yeah. Well, she was going to go back to Iowa. She go go back to Iowa. And, I, I, uh, I, I, real quick, I have to ask. Yep. So you said you go back for training. Are you training for specific missions? Um, just specific tasks, like specific mm -hmm. tasks mm -hmm. that need to get stay current on. I know. So hypothetically, we may yeah. need to do this thing in a little while. Yeah. Let's go train for that. Yeah. Just in case we mm -hmm. hypothetically need to do it here. Say hypothetically, days. there's this guy and yeah. there's yeah. a bad guy. Yeah. And we he might be on a deck of cards. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. You never know. Yeah. So there's different, there's different tasks that you're with different units that you're just staying current, um, planning. Okay. For. I think that's the big deal about our unit compared to other units is the, the, uh, the contingency planning and the different levels of contingencies we can go into. So now with all the flights, do you know approximately how many flights you did 
Uh, I have no idea. Okay. Let's say really? it's, let's, let's say it's 40. Uh-huh. Maybe it's higher, maybe it's lower. Yeah. Of those f- quote unquote 40, uh-huh. everybody came back. Yes. That is very not, rare. Fantastic. Well, it's fantastic. I have never been on, um, I take that back. I have been on one mission in my life where an American was killed and it was not due to enemy mm-hmm. Woof. Okay. yeah yeah that was a tough one yeah um, yeah yeah but yeah i have never been on a mission where we've lost an american i mean that would I, I would have to assume that would almost be harder i think yes yeah because it's like fuck yep um, we covered everything except yeah. that yeah. that was actually yeah. when yeah. i was in um mosul during those elections yep there was a um a vehicle accident where an american was killed um mm. and that was yeah, that's tough when it's not at the hand of the. But the it, it being yeah. being a vehicle accident mm-hmm. a little better than at being a friendly fire deal at least. Yes, you yes. Because yeah. that's that's where I thought you were yeah. going nope, with it. That, um, it. Nope, that nope. Uh, that it was thankfully not that. Yeah, it was definitely shit. But um, yeah, yeah, thank God it wasn't something like that. Yeah, but I mean, yeah. easily something that could have happened at yeah. you know t- freaking Washington and. Yeah. Mitchell. Yep. You know, 100%. Or, and then I think yeah. that's what I kind of cushioned it with yeah. my, with my wife too. I'm like, I could hit by, I could get by a car walking across the street right. to get the mail. You know, like, right. you know, like when it's your time, it's your time. And honestly, far more likely yeah. than a yeah. helicopter crash yeah. or, yep. you know, you know, whatever. Yep. So it, uh, yeah, I think, uh, no, never, never lost anybody. Uh, no Americans. That's, I mean, so, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. I mean, really, if you think about it, um, something to be grateful so, for. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. So, so you get done, your wife comes back to Iowa. She, so, oh, so back to that. Right. So yeah. she's like, I'm not going to be here when you get back. And I'm like, understandable. Like we'll work it out. Like when I get home, but I got to go do this. And, um, I had told, I had told one of my good buddies that I talked to and I'm like, Hey dude, I'm like, here's the deal. I'm like, just had this phone or just had this conversation with my wife. I'm like, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. You know, right now he's like, that's bullshit, dude. Like you don't, you do not need to be going and doing this. I'm like, it's done. It's not, you know, not a big deal. We'll go handle this. And we ended up having an, an extra person that was an extra pilot that was, that was going over overseas. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's like, dude, I got this. He's like, stay home, take care of your, he's like, you're not going to be worth anything anyways with dealing with this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just, you know, stay back here. Not a big deal. And so I literally was like walking out to the airplane to get on and they're like, go back inside. And I'm like, all right. Orders are stupid. Then, yeah. I'm like, this is, <laughs> I'm like, this is bullshit, but I'll, I'll do it. So yeah. Call my wife. I'm like, Hey, here's the deal. I'm coming home tonight. Like. It was all my idea. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. No. I told them that I wasn't going to. Yeah. Like, so you're more important to me yeah. than anything. Yeah. So, yep. I was going to, I was going to go do it. Yeah. And how do you feel about that now? You know, 10 years later, I think, um, the th- one thing that I tried to impress on everybody that I've dealt with, who's starting a military career in the mail, like when I was in, I'm like, like I said before, like the machine will go on. Right. And the last time you drive out the gate, you're taking your family. Like that's all you've got. Right. That's is, mm-hmm. the, is, is the, fa- is your family. 
And some people have learned that lesson the hard way. And I said, nothing here worth is worth losing that. Yeah. So. Well, we have a through line here on on the show actually uh, 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 about you know serendipity. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you do you feel that was a serendipitous event for your at least for your marriage? I think it was like a like a turn at the fork in the road where we're like, okay, like this can't go on forever, mm-hmm. and yeah. we need to start winding it down and figuring out what our next move is going to be. So I think that it probably like needed to, ha- you know, one of those things where it kind of needed to happen and it worked out in our favor. And I think that kind of after that was the point where we're like, okay, like let's start thinking about seriously about what our, this is not sustainable. Mm-hmm. Let's start thinking about what our next move is going to be. And this would have been when? This was probably the like 2020. Okay. Okay. So we decided like, Hey, let's, let's, let's get a, let's get to a good stopping point. Like an exit strategy. Right. Kind of, yeah. yeah. So I figured what we're going to do. And my daughter was getting ready to graduate high school and the next mm-hmm. one would have been getting ready to start high school. And I'm like, okay, I'm like, that's the, that's the time we'll let her graduate high school down here. So she's not starting right. my new school during her junior year. And, uh, that way the new one, she'll be starting in a new high school and not starting in the middle of another one. So that's kind of our plan. It gives like 24 months. And it just happened to work out at your 22 years. Yep. Well, so, shit. yep. So for, for the military, you can, you're retirement eligible at 20 years. Sure. So it kind of worked out good. We were trying to decide if we were going to stay local, if we wanted to move back home. And I think the biggest thing that we missed about being so far away for so long was having family around and like having help and stuff. So it seemed like a no brainer. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go home. So started looking for houses. During the pandemic. Yeah. Started looking at, started looking (laughs) at schools and stuff. So you made that choice at the right time. Yeah. Started looking at houses and schools and stuff and find a house that we really wanted was, was tough. So we ended up just buying land and building the house. You fixed that fucking wagon ninja. Yeah. Yeah. We're like, you know what? It's just money. We'll get more someday. (laughs) Um, we, we did really good selling our house in Kentucky and we had people up here that were helping us with. Oh, you were buying houses. Okay. I, I'm just, uh, cause I've got other military friends that were just on base. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. So we lived, I, we never lived on post. We always lived mm-hmm. off post. And I think kind of that too, just getting away, like being away, not yeah. always feeling sure. like you're at. Yeah. Work life balance, yeah. separation. Yeah. It's, it's very important. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So yeah, we, uh, had a plan. It's hard. Still got friends that are still getting after it, mm. but I think just realizing that you can't do it forever and it has to, and it comes to an end. There's a point where it's like... When you see that, now that the international scene is different mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. than when you got in, even when you got out, mm-hmm. uh, when you're looking at that, are you looking at like, uh, there isn't that that goal anymore if it... I think that internationally in the, the way that things are now politically, I think with Afghanistan ending, mm-hmm. they don't want us in Iraq anymore. And like, it was a good kind of like ending point. Right. Sure. And we hadn't, right. we hadn't started, we hadn't started talking about going anywhere new yet. And I was like, I doesn't have an enemy to start mm-hmm. a new country. You know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> right I don't have an yeah. enemy to start a new, mm-hmm. a new war somewhere. So I think it was just, it all kind of just worked out good that it was just a natural ending point. So, yeah. So you get back, decide, come back home, build a house. Yep. yep. What's the transition like? Like how does getting back to civilian life, like how does that, how does that happen? How I do think, you deal with that? I think the thing that people who fall on their faces with the transition, I think they lose, they lose purpose. I think finding mm-hmm. their purpose. And I think 
they've always been told kind of like what their job is, what their purpose is. And I think for some people that's like the hard part for them and that's why they, they, they have a difficult time. But I think for me, just like my main purpose was getting, you know, back with my family, like getting in a routine with my family, sure. doing sure. like like the things that I guess like normal families do. So my purpose was just getting really like getting them reintegrated and settled in and getting into normal routines and stuff. And then I think for me, and, and I don't know, it never really was scary. Like getting out and finding something to do. I kind of had a couple ideas. I was looking at commercial airlines. Because mm-hmm. you, you can also fly fixed wing, mm-hmm. right? I started, I started working on my fixed wing stuff on my own. Yep. So I started looking into doing that. And then... Huge airport uh, over in Cedar Rapids. So, you know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All, um, four, all four gates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, huge. I think that, like, I would... So reading about that and talking to people and, you know, having to go fly into an airport, stay overnight, fly someplace, fly some, you know, back. It starts to feel very similar. It's like, damn, it's like, well, I'm not sleeping in my freaking bed anymore. I'm like, so what's my, what's my goal? Like, okay, I want to be in Mm -hmm. my bed every night. Yeah. How am I differentiating? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm sick of not staying in my house. I'm sick of not sleeping with my wife. I'm like, I want something where I'm going to be home every night and. For a long time, I'd always been like, I've always thought about like law enforcement as a career. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Even after, you know, my first four years in the army, I came back and I talked to the sheriff here and that's when like a hundred dudes were trying out for <laughs> right. one spot. Right. And so I thought about that and I was still having fun, you know, so I was like, eh, and I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. And then for some reason, like that always just kept on coming back to me that law enforcement would be something that I'd be interested in doing. And I think it's really like with my aviation career, problem solving, like really that's all that is. If you get down to it, the aviation piece, it's all, it's all like complex problem solving. And I think that's what law enforcement is too, right? It's, it's problem solving Sure, I can um, see that. for the most part. So I thought like, man, that, that would be something that I would be interested in, you know, the high op tempo, stressful environment. I'm used to that. And I think a lot of the problems that police officers have issues with is this dealing with stress, right? making bad decisions when they're stressed out. Sure. And that puts police in a bad light, I think. And that's a lot of the stuff that I think we're seeing, we're seeing lately. And I've always kind of been in the mindset, like if you can do something, like you should do something, right? Mm-hmm. So I thought like, okay, they need good people in this profession. They need to get people in this area, in this profession. And so Doing I decided- For the right reason? Yeah, it. so that I wanted yeah, to do, yeah. I wanted to uh, pursue a career in law enforcement. So did you jump right into that when you got back or what'd you do? Yep. Uh, so I actually, before I retired, I, before I even came back about a year out, I started looking trying to figure out where I wanted to work. And I knew generally the area that we wanted to work in. I started looking at who had openings and kind of talking to people about what they thought about who they worked for and- what the job would all entail and stuff. And I decided on the uh, sheriff's office oh, okay. in the uh, the local county that we were going to be close to. It wasn't the county that we lived in, but it was right. the one that's close to it. And I started going through the uh, application process and it was not quick. It was, um, 
you know, came, I came, I drove up here on a weekend and took a, uh, did a PT test and a written test. Like from Kentucky? Yeah. Oh, no shit. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I drove up here on a weekend. Yeah. Um, I don't know the, the more, or the night before the PT test, I, um, we, we had already bought our property up here and I, I was unloading something out of my truck into our pole building and I did something and I jacked my back. Up. Oh, fuck. I know. And I was like, because so you're go, old. Yeah. No, I'm oh, <laughs> Jesus. So I go to do the PT test the next day and I wake up and I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to feel fine when I wake up. It'll be okay. Well, the next morning it was not okay. I was oh, freaking no. never been there before. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. hurting. I was bad. I couldn't even hardly stand up straight. Oh. So, so I took 18 Vicodin. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to walk around uh, and I'm going to try to like, whatever it is. And yeah, something in my lower back into my butt. It was like, <laughs> just, it always mm-hmm. goes back to your it's butt. My butt. I mean, that's why they look at your butthole so much. <laughs> Did you go to the guy in Des Moines yeah. and have yeah. him look at like, it? Bro, it's in my butthole. That's my butt hurt. <laughs> but it was, it was locked up. Um, <laughs> and I was, so I tried doing like a couple sit-ups at home before I, before I went to the high school where they're having the, the fitness test. I did like three sit-ups and I was like, oh. I wanted to cry. It hurt so bad. Oh no. And I'm like, okay. Man, this is a guy who used to yeah. fucking wash yeah. dishes at Peppers. I know, right? <laughs> and I'm like, you know, the, the, the fitness standards, I will admit, are not, they're not hard, right? <laughs> but do they <laughs> suck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You suck if you can't meet these standards. That's what sucks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you you suck, if you can't meet these standards, and I'm like, okay, and, and you're going up against like like 19 year olds, right? I it mean, was a little bit. Of, I think it was a little bit of everything, and it, it was yeah, there were some dudes yeah. that looked like they were in good shape, and there were some dudes that were like, "What the fuck are you doing here?" <laughs> it's a hope and a prayer, yeah. hope and a prayer. And I'm like, I just got to bang out a few sit ups, bang out a few push ups, and then go run a mile and a half. I'm like, I got this. So yeah, did my push ups, no problem, and I was like. I was sweating these sit-ups because they were hurting and I managed to bang out what I needed to do, no issues, and then did the run and it was uncomfortable. Like it, it hurt. You felt it. Yeah. I definitely felt it, but I got it done and then went inside uh, and and I had gotten like the study guide to practice for the post test or whatever. I don't know what that, yeah, the police officer, what is it? Post, I don't freaking know. It's like just a public service test. Yeah, it's like a a civil service test, right? So it's like... Reading, writing, and arithmetic. Yeah, I think it's the same test like you take to be like a postman yeah. or like a yeah. garbage collector. So, well, let me ask you this. I yes, mean, sir. you're you're fairly new into law enforcement, yes. right? I mean, yes. comparatively. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel like you're affecting the culture of the division you're in or vice versa? Or, I mean, obviously you're bringing in something that not many people in that right. you know department right. have seen. How is that reflecting on you and on them? I think that I would like to think that I have a positive impact on mm-hmm. the people I around me at yeah. work. Yeah. I know that there was dudes that did not, they were not in the greatest of a physical condition that I convinced to come work out with me. So like stuff yeah, like that. They, yeah. Even something like that. Yeah. I mean, I we're think, not talking geopolitical anything. Yeah, it's like, yeah. it's like, this is what I did for 20 years right. yep. uh, to be prepared for the ultimate thing. Yep. And we're here now. Yeah. Yep. So I think, yeah, I think just being older and a little bit more mature, it definitely, I think it had an impact on the people around me or has an impact with the people around me. You know, I think life experience, there's, you know, there's like just things that you can't 
teach people or yeah, it, any academy yeah. or whatever. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've lived a, I've lived a pretty full and interesting <laughs> life already. So that's, you know, that's the thing you can't teach people. So just experiences and stuff. And I do, like, I do make people, you're doing the bare minimum. I'm going to, I'm going to call yeah. you out. Right. Fantastic. Yeah. And this I is I what, have no problem with that. This is what you can expect of me. And I expect the thing. I expect the same thing out of you. So I, I would like to think that I have improved the culture and the, and the places that I've worked. So you obviously get hired. Yep. I have to assume you pass the test yep. and otherwise you wouldn't be yep. telling the story. Yep. You're like, well, I bag groceries. That's yeah. what I do now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you're in there, you're doing that job. Mm-hmm. Is it, I have to assume that the climate it can be a little strange. Cause what do you do? Like what, like what is your job? So, my, there? so right. So as a, as a deputy in this department, the first thing you're going to do is you're going to be a jail security staff member. Okay. Mm-hmm. What does that consist of? Um, so there's a, there's a County jail, right. And the purpose of the jail is to, as twofold really. So you've, you're housing people who are waiting to go to court okay. and you've got people who are, they've been to court, they're serving time mm-hmm. um, as a penalty. Okay. And then you also have people who have gone to court and they're, they're getting ready to go to prison. Okay. So yeah, moving people around, taking people to court. Uh, the first job that I did was uh, court security. So we have a couple of deputies that are responsible for security at the courthouse. And then they also bring people back and forth between the jail and the courthouse to go to court. And then transports. I would take people like they had doctor's appointments or dentist appointments or whatever, take them to those appointments. Mm-hmm. Extraditions, I would drive to different jails, some in state, some out of state, pick people up, bring them back to Iowa so they could they could do court transfers, you know, picking people up between point A and point B and, and dropping them off or picking them up. So a little bit of everything in, in that. Job. How has that transition been? For you. Easy. Yeah. Like I said, I'm in my, I'm in my, I'm at home every night. I'm in my bed every night. I'm so not you're missing, getting what you want out of it. Yeah. Yes. I'm not, I'm not missing, uh, you know, kids events and whatnot. I'm there for all mm-hmm. their stuff. And so important. Yeah. yeah. Do you find the slower pace to be frustrating? Um, it, there's a times where it, I think the, the best part about the job was I could leave it at the door when I left. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. So was that hard? To that, make that no, that was nice. Right? Good. Like that's yeah, nice where yeah. I leave it at the door and I don't think about it. It's not like, you know, in my aviation career, like I said, it's like a complex, it's complex problem solving where I would, I can only be at work for 14 hours and then they kick me out and make me leave. And then my drive home, I'm thinking about, you know, where am I going to, I need a fuel. Like, where am I going to get that extra 600 pounds of gas from? Or how am I going to save this time yeah. or cut this? You know what I mean? So I'm always like my brain's always going and it's nice to be able to like walk out the door, turn it off and you're done and just be done. So what do you do to keep your brain engaged then? Cause that doesn't just shut off. Right. You like keep my brain engaged, like at work or outside of work or what? Yes. And yes. Like, um, like how do you fill that thing that you had for 20 right, years? Right. You know, Revan, um, yeah. I think, I think it's just like, it's little things as crazy as it sounds. Like when I'm taking like trips and stuff, like, knowing exactly like how long it's going to take me to get there or like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. looking at maps and, and then planning out a route and then right. not looking at my map or my GPS when I go do yep. it, like doing I it all from that. memory, Remem- memorizing like schedules, like who goes where, when memorizing. Have you picked up any hobbies? 
new, uh, not, not any new hobbies. So I've always been big, like into hunting and stuff. And obviously Iowa is great for, for deer mm-hmm. hunting. So that's probably my, that's probably my one and only hobby that I do. <laughs> uh, my wife. Well, I was just wondering, <laughs> sometimes people grab yeah. hobbies that, no, that to fill no, that's pretty spaces. Much the same, yeah. Pretty much the same thing. Okay. Um, so just stuff like that, like memorizing people's faces and their names, and oh, that sounds fun. Just stuff like that, <laughs> like that yeah, dude. That that memory game, fascinating, dude. Um, that, maniac. Yeah, that that memory game. I will crush you with that. that my, I don't know. I play that yeah, shit with a seven year old. She yeah. doesn't forget anything. Yeah, that is my dream. You up like guess so, who with him? He'll nail you. Man. And then I think just like you know, staying like physically fit, like working out, like that's huge to me. Yeah, so stuff like that. It's just nice to not. I think the hardest part for me transitioning out of the military was having that constant, that always that feeling like the phone could ring and then it's Mm -hmm. like, you're going to get pulled away or I know I'm deploying in three weeks. I got to get so much shit done at the house before I can leave. Mm -hmm. Now I've got two weeks left. I'm like, I'm not going to get this all done. I've only got one week left. I'm never going to get all like always having that feeling has been hard to let go. It's weird for, it's kind of weird because even asking the question is like, you should feel like, Something's missing, right? Yeah. I mean, because yeah. I mean, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, right, right. you it's a transition. It's a time and space that you're in in your life, you know. It, it, and so, you know, sometimes it feels like I'm, well, clearly you, you have to have something to replace the thing you did. Mm-hmm. Well, and like, I have to believe that, you know, when, when you're our age and you go into a new career, you're also surrounded by people that are not our age right. in a new career. And do you, do you find that like going into a career where the stakes aren't quite as high mm-hmm. as they were in your old career. And then you're surrounded by young people who probably believe that the stakes are as high. Right. It, like, is that, how, how do you, how do you reconcile that? How do you deal with <laughs> um, that? Like, is that annoying? You know? Yeah. yeah. I, I, like, I think I've, I've like in my mind a lot. I, I don't say it out loud, but I just, I'm like, Calm down. Right. You know what I mean, like, <laughs> calm down. Maybe you should say it yeah. out loud. <laughs> like, you should, maybe, yeah. yeah. You know, um, <laughs> well, I mean, because, you know, like, we see, and, and it's and it's probably o- overblown, but there has been a militarizing of the police. Like, that's right. a thing that's happened. Yeah. And, and, and you get all these cops that are just like, like, I'm going to war. Yeah. And you're like, and motherfucker. Honestly, yeah. And honestly, like, I hate that, right? Yeah. I hate when I see law enforcement, like SWAT teams wearing the same camouflage mm-hmm. as like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. So, you don't need that. You don't yeah, need that. Yeah. What do you need well, that I for? Like it, um, I like it better when coaches on the sideline are wearing yeah. camo. Yeah. But anyway. <laughs> it looks like, yeah, it, it looks cool, but. We were talking to Joe about the same type of thing, right? I mean, uh, one right. or another guest about, you know, he went into it going, I'm going to kick some people's asses and set things straight, you know? And so that was, a, 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 as a young guy, that's where he went. Mm-hmm. And now you're coming in it as a guy who's, you know, kicks ma- ass in like impactful way. In a right. global sense. Yeah. Yes. You and yeah. you're looking at these younger guys going, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to set everything straight with, with yeah. my authority. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, I mean, you just look at it and be like, Look, man, it ain't that serious. Yeah. Like, like these are your fucking. I, I follow this guy on Twitter. He's a he's a, a cop, and I don't know how I, st- I stumbled across him, but like he has a saying where he talks about how like we're not at war. These are our neighbors. Like yeah. you don't go to war against your neighbors. Right. That's not yep. that's not our job. That's not and you're like and and you know I like I've I've been around. I know a lot of different types of people. Like you know I've interacted with 
with artists and and police officers and military and and like all these different people through all the multitude of careers that I've had. Right. And this and, guy in Des Moines who looked at his butthole. Yeah, yeah. I mean that the wasn't in Des, that wasn't in Des Moines, and I paid extra <laughs> yeah. for that. Yeah. Uh, but like it was, you know, you, you hear people and the way that they talk about things, you're like, dude. Like, settle the fuck down, man. Yeah. Like that, that is not like it is not that. And you hear you hear cops talking about things like it was like fucking World War Three, yeah. and you hear fry cooks doing the same fucking thing, and you're yeah. like, guys, like get some fucking yeah. perspective. I think with the younger generation too, I think just communication skills in general, because nobody like talks to anybody anymore, right? right? Right. We don't talk True. on the phone True. anymore. We don't talk to face to face. We use right. apps to communicate. Some dumb yeah. motherfuckers have yeah. podcasts yeah. where they just scream yeah. out into right. the void. I resemble that remark. <laughs> we say things to people on social media that we never say to oh, their right. face. That's right. Get right. You right. right. Get your mouth. ass yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then you see people that, you know, I've noticed younger, younger people that I work with that the way they communicate with other people, it's like... I mean, next to the hair in the back of my neck, stand up. Like, like dude, do you know who yeah, you are? Yeah. Like, it, it ain't who's yeah. coming out of your mouth right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, you see that everywhere. But we have to admit there's some enabling of that at some level also. That, you yeah. know, even if we're talking professionally, sometimes there's an enabling of that. But right. Oh, sure. I, I also, you know, some of the people that you were working with, you know, they went through the the two thousands, but only as an observer. Right, and so you know, it's it's for them. It's not it's not even visceral. It's it's it, you know, there's no experiential background to where they're coming from on that worldview of of fixing things. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's a big problem with our society is everyone's an observer right now, but yeah. yet they think they know how everything works. Yeah, everybody's like, yeah, yeah. everybody's an expert, but most yeah. people don't know anything. Yeah, yeah. It, everybody's it, a a uh, you know with the whole Israel and Hamas thing right now. Everybody is an expert on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, bad news for everybody. That is an area that's yeah. been at war for two thousand years. Yeah, it's Since, a fucking mess. Yeah. We're not going to fix it with a conversation on yeah. fucking uh, on yeah. the view. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're, your quick hit, your quick hot take on a meme yeah. is not going to fix it. Right. Yeah, right, right. If if you could, if you could leave anyone with like a snapshot of what you, what you think would summarize who you are and what you've done, what would that be? Gosh, that's a really good question. Yeah. It's a deep dive, yeah. You should have told me that a couple of days ago, so I just start thinking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but see, that dilutes the question. Um, then. Yeah. Hmm. What means the most to you? I think, I think more than anything, just knowing people know that they can count on me, right? I think that's like the greatest. No, that's, that's awesome. That's like the greatest compliment that you can give somebody like. Yeah. I agree. I have this really crappy thing we're going to go do. Yeah. And I know you'll do it. Yeah. And I know you'll do it really good. So I want you to do it with me. Like, yeah. I think to me, that's like, yeah. that's like the greatest compliment. You know what I mean? That's so perfect because yeah. that could be like flying a fucking dirt ball, terrible yeah. mission yeah. or going to a choir concert yeah. that your kids are putting on with yeah. your wife. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> it encompasses everything. Like, yeah. It really does, man. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. That's um, that's really like are you sure you want to go back and do the U of I thing because that's the same yeah. deal. I mean, oh yeah, bros for uh, life. Well, no. I, t I told <laughs> when we were looking for uh, 
you know, jobs after I was a ranger school instructor, I was looking at ROTC jobs at and University of Iowa was available. And oh, I, Jesus. I, my wife was like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to, to be fair, you'd yeah. want to kill yourself. Like, it oh, would be fucking I mean, terrible. I, I do not envy being a, yeah. a recruiting guy. At, or or a ROTC guy, yeah. And especially ROTC, because, look, if you're going to go in the fucking military, mm-hmm. you go in the military. Yeah. If you're not, but want to pretend like you did, yeah, yeah. you go ROTC. Yeah. Like, especially if you're at U of I. Right. If you're a fucking adult. Dude, you're here to party, okay? <laughs> but if you're an adult, yeah. why the fuck do you go in the ROTC? At the, at the very least, join the fucking... If you're at Iowa State and you yeah. do ROTC, you're an aerospace guy. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, but you can do like the fucking Air Force Reserves. You can do a lot of things. Right. You can do things that where you're actually doing a thing and not just standing by a fucking flagpole yeah. alternating. You get every your week. engineering degree. That's what you get. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that and a fucking funny jumpsuit. Like, yeah. like here's here's your navy blue <laughs> clothes that you wear to everything. Like, it, yeah, I, that would have been misery for you. You would if you if. If there's any part of you that thinks, calm the fuck down. You could be there. You could be there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, that would put things into real perspective. All right. Uh, so it, look, man, I'm, we don't want to keep you any longer. This has been fascinating. And, and 100%. you know, I mean, it's, it's Veterans Day. I mean, we'll, we'll obviously, you know. Thank you for your service, but thank you for telling us what that service means right, and right. what it was. I mean, because that uh, it's something that's thrown around, and I, you know, for me, it, it, it sometimes is like thank you for your service, but I don't know what that service was. Right. right. So, yeah. and I, I saw like a Facebook article, and it said like younger generation doesn't know how to react when someone says thank you for your service, and mm-hmm. I, and I still like, you know. It can be awkward sometimes, right? And I I think that when someone is saying like, thank you for your service, I think it's a nice way of saying, I don't know what you did. Right. <laughs> I know it sucked. <laughs> I'm glad that people like you that did d- do it, that I don't have to, you know what I mean? Right. Like, so it's, I, it's I, a catch all. It's, it's a, a yeah. it's a nice way of like yeah. saying. It is, but I feel like what you're saying, I mean, we, we were, you know, like the eighties is a point that we're in now. Where we were in between anything that anybody, it was like, okay, we had World War II, we had Vietnam, mm-hmm. and, and then we had the 80s. Mm-hmm. And then we had, you know, the 90s, 2000s, 2010s, and now we're back. And so when young kids say they don't know what it means, they don't know what the, the big conflicts were. Right. Yeah, and you know, a lot of times, like, the thank you for your service mm-hmm. is spread out to a lot of different types of people. Right. In some cases, there really wasn't any, yeah. you know, so yeah. like it kind of dilutes the the message. So so normally, like, it, uh, honestly, normally we end the show um, just simply by saying, you know, thank you for what you do. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like that's quite accurate. I think the best way for us to, to end the show today, Tom, is to say thank you for what you've done, because like really... I always used to joke, like people like my grandpa would always say, go join the military. It'll pay for your college. I'm like, I'm a pussy, (laughs) grandpa. I can't do that. It's not, I don't like being told what to do. And I have a very low threshold for (laughs) any kind of misery. So I can't do that. Well, see, for me, that's the former. I was like, 
No way. I can't tell it. it, it, it no, yeah, I can't do it. Yeah, nobody telling me. It, yeah. I don't want to do it. That's why I'm an actor. I'm sitting here, but then I have a director telling me what tell to do. Tell me so what to do. Yeah, right? yeah. But, but I mean, really, it's in a fucking climate-controlled environment and there's rules. <laughs> right? I mean, no. But I mean, Zach's exactly right. I mean, you know, thank you for what you do, but telling us what it is you do to thank you for it. And I know that this isn't like the this isn't uh, the type of conversation that people love to have. So I really appreciate you coming in here and doing this. And, and, you know, I did tell Tom, I was like, hey, man, look, if if there's shit you don't want to talk about, give me a list before we come in. Mm -hmm. The motherfucker is just like, nah. Uh, let's 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 get into it. I want to yeah. get into it. It's important to me, and so I really appreciate you being open, honest, and vulnerable, and yeah. and everything that made this a, an awesome conversation. Well, I got that list. It said Paw Patrol. I don't know what that means, <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that this is a very unique uh, conversation. Like this is very different from anything we've had so far. Absolutely, and I think that people are really going to enjoy it. So, man, thank you so much for what you've done, and thank you for coming in and talking to us today. Yeah, thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, guys. 